Get your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 9. Pull it up on your phone. We'll have it on the screen for your reading. Looking forward to the next few weeks of talking about Jesus and people and every person that's going to be featured in one of these testimony videos, uh, they have a desire, as do I, for all of the glory, all of the credit, all of the recognition, recognition to go right past everyone that we draw attention to and to land right on Jesus. And, and that, that is the whole goal of everything God does in people's life is for him to get the glory because he's worthy of that glory. And, and we're going to crack open God's word for the next few weeks and take an in-depth look at Jesus and people. Such an interesting equation, such an, such an interesting combination. And uh, I'm excited about it. Matthew 9, verse 35. Stay with me this morning. I promise I'm going somewhere. I'm going to get the front half of this runway set with introducing the theme of this series and then incorporate the idea of today's message and get this plane in the air. And then we're going to land it and leave. Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Look back at verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease. If you write in your Bible, I want you to underline this, among the people. Highlight that in your mind. Among the people. I have been trying to preach this series for 18 months, and God has kept rerouting this uh, content over and over, and I believe God knew exactly what he was doing because this is the perfect time to have this kind of conversation uh, together. The gospel writings Tell us that Jesus had a circle of 12 people. You and I know them as his disciples. And every week, every day for that matter, Jesus saw the same faces of the same people in the same circle of the same 12 men. However, Jesus knew that the world was so much larger than his little circle of 12 Now, like Jesus, you and I, we see the same faces of the same people in the same circle day after day, week after week. And guess what? The world is so much more vast than your little circle. It's so much bigger than the little bubble, the circle that you and I are so used to. The world's population is roughly between seven 
and seven and a half billion people. And if you take the earth's population and you enter that into an equation with the earth's total area, which is uh, including land and water, which is 197 million square miles, if you try to get the population density per square mile and you take just 7 billion people and you divide that by 197 million square miles, you end up with 30 people or 35 people for every square mile. But if you just took the land area, because we're not mermaids and mermen, if you just took the land area, which is much less than the water, of 58 million square miles, and the, ho- the human population density increases to 121 people in every single square mile. Now, that includes all the continental and island land area, like Antarctica, and we don't live on Antarctica. So if you take Antarctica out of that equation, you get about 130 people in a square mile. Now, the reality is a lot of this land area, excluding Antarctica, is not really possible for human beings to uh, habitate or to live in because there's desert terrain and high mountain areas and the population tends to cluster around uh, seaports and freshwater sources and midland areas. And so 130 human beings in a square mile on this planet isn't really, really accurate. You say, Pastor Derek, what is the deal with the Wikipedia rundown? Well, let me tell you what this means. It means there's nowhere that you can really go in this world without somehow, in some way, being around and among people. Face it, you are going to be around people no matter where you live, no matter where you move to, you're going to be around other human beings. And by the way, the world's not just so much more vast than your little circle, it's a lot more diverse than your circle. More than likely, looking around this room, which is still easy to acknowledge and observe, nobody in this room, based on my observations, is even in the majority of the ethnicity or race demographics in the world. None of us actually are. From based on what I'm looking at, and I could be wrong, but the lights are up and I can see the largest majority percentage-wise of race population in the world is South Asian. It's what you consider Indian. That's, that's the folks from India and Bangladesh and Pakistan, Nepal, Sri Lanka, etc. That, that's 23, more than 23% of the world's population is that ethnicity, South Asian. The second one's East Asian. That's a little over 21%, which is China, Hong Kong, Japan, Mongolia, North Korea, South Korea, Taiwan, 16% of the world's population is what you'd consider European. That's white or Caucasian. So y'all are the minority for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I say that because the majority of the congregation here is a bunch of white people. And we act like the world's full of white people, and guess what? It's not. We're third on the list. 13.93, almost 14% is African, what you would consider black. And so several of us in this room, many of us at nine, many of us at 11, many of us that will make up the future of this church, because God didn't call me to pastor a white church, by the way. Never was on the menu, never was on the radar, never will be. 
never will be. It's going to continue to change, and we're going to swim upstream of that current of commerce where it's all segregated and separated. That's not the church God died for. It's not the church God rose for. And I hope you're, I hope you're okay and comfortable with me saying that because that's reality in your word. And that's the reality of the vision God gave us. And so, I mean, the, the numbers continue to just decrease. But the, what, what, what does all that mean? That, that just means most of us are not in the highest race population that we're so used to, which means you're surrounded, whether you realize it or not, by a world full of people who are a lot different than you and a lot different than your bubble and your circle. So based on population density and population diversity, you better figure out how to look at people, how to live with people and how to love people, because Jesus did. Jesus did. I remember being in high school, and every day when I walked into high school, I would go to the same circle of friends that I had all through high school. Now, I was friends with a lot of different people, but I stood in the same circle. Yes, I was a preppy jock. I played baseball. So yes, I was in that crowd. I hung out with that circle, and it was the same circle of friends. And every day I walked past so many different circles. And how many of y'all remember high school? It hasn't really changed a whole lot. Everybody's still got their circles. You got all your little cliques and all your little groups and all, all, all your little classifications, and, and they've got all kind of labels. And I think the labels, and I think the names have kind of adjusted since I was in school because we were idiots. But I think, I think they've kind of modified some of the labels that people have. And every day I just walked past all these people. And it wasn't until my senior year, my fall semester of high school, when I, when, I, when I got saved, when I got saved and became a Christian, did I see things differently. And I saw people for what they were. I saw, it's like the blinders came off and I started seeing people in a completely different light. And I didn't see circles anymore. And I didn't see groups and segregated classifications and different, different groups and types of people. And I never saw that until I was saved. And the truth, the truth is, many of us right now, we still have our circle of our people. We do. In life, we have our same circle. And it's so easy. Y'all can agree with this. It's so easy every single day, every single week, for us just to walk past a world of different, diverse people and go to our same little circle. The amazing thing about God's word is it tells us about this interaction in the gospels between Jesus and human beings, Jesus and people. And some of us may wonder, well, what, what did this look like? And what I want to do for the next few weeks is I want to pull back the veil on Jesus's interaction with a world of diversity, a world of difference, a world with human beings. Jesus was in the people business. He was in the people business. People were his business. And the church is in the, the people business. The ministry is in the people business. And if you're in this room and you have any inkling or any part of your spirit that's like, hey, I want to be in ministry, you better be ready for the people business. And when you, when you examine Jesus and people out of the gospel accounts, you begin to see these examples of how we need to look at one another how we need to live with one another, how we ultimately need to love one another. And I want you to remember this. Jesus was not sent to stay in the circle. He was not sent to stay in the circle. He knew his mission and he knew his ministry and he knew they would have to extend beyond the confines of one circle. So what did Jesus do? Well, he broke the circle. He broke the circle because many times in the gospel accounts of his life, we see where he broke the circle of the 12 by connecting with other people outside of the circle. 
And so like Jesus today, we need to break the circle. Somebody say break the circle. We need to break the circle. In Matthew 9, 35, look at it with me. It tells us that Jesus was willing to break the circle for the sake of people. Look at verse 35. And Jesus went about, he went about all the cities and villages. I want you all to get this in your spirit today. He went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease. Look at this. Among the people. Can you link both of those phrases with me? Jesus went about among the people. That's what he did in verse 35. He went about among the people. Scripture reveals that Jesus lived outwardly, not inwardly. I'm going to drive this home. I'm, I'm going to drive this home this morning. Stay with me. Jesus lived outwardly, not inwardly. And when you, when you break the circle, when you break the circle, it's proof that you live outwardly and not inwardly. See, Jesus lived outside of himself, and he lived outside of his circle. And, and may I say this? There's a noticeable difference between outward living and inward living. There, there's a noticeable difference. Because when you're outward, you're driven by others. When you're inward, you're driven by self. When you're outward, you think eternally. When you're inward, you think temporarily. When you're outward, you're motivated by faith. But when you're inward, you're motivated by the way you feel. When you're outward, you're passionate about being challenged. But when you're inward, you're passionate about being comfortable. And in many cases, I hate to break it to you. I don't know if you know this or not. But we as the church are missing it. Now, I'm not throwing new grace in the big melting pot of missing it. We as the church are missing it. We've got it all backwards because our churches have become filled with inward people. Inward people. Well, I'll tell you what this looks like. Inward churches are filled with inward people, and their attendance in church worship is based on preferences and self-centered checklists. Inward people, they don't attend on Sundays with the mission to serve others. They come with a mandate to be served by others. Inward people, they don't really expect the community to come. And truth be told, they don't really want the community to come. Inward people that make up inward churches, they hate change. And in some cases, they will leave before they embrace or allow it. Inward people are stuck in the circle. They cling to the circle. And my God told me to tell you, don't be stuck in the circle. Because when you're stuck in the circle, you don't see the mission for what it is. When you're stuck in the circle, you limit your God-given gifts and potential. When you are stuck in the circle, you miss out on divine opportunity. When you are stuck in the circle, you will not grow or develop like God intended for you to grow or develop. When you are stuck in the circle, your life becomes predictable and boring. When you are stuck in the circle, you end up making little to no difference in the world. We got to live outwardly, not inwardly. We've got to break the circle. And while living outwardly in the world, Jesus ends up breaking two major circles, both of which affected his interaction and his connection with people. Number one, Jesus broke the circle of familiar. Everybody say familiar. This is going to be real fun. I'm going to enjoy this. 
Jesus broke the circle of familiar. Jesus' life was anything but a pattern of predictability when it came to people. It, 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 he, he consistently broke away from what was familiar to the Jews, what was familiar to his family, what was familiar to his friends, what was familiar to the people of his culture and his day and age. And this was easy for him. It was easy for him because he saw people through the lens of how you're supposed to view people. Jesus saw people the way they were meant to be seen. In fact, verse number 36 tells us that Jesus was moved by what he saw in people. I want you to stay with me. He was moved by what he saw in people. What he saw in people moved him towards them, not away from them. The Bible says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. When he saw the groups of people, when he saw the congregations, when he saw the multitude, he was moved, not away from them, toward them. And because Jesus was outward, he didn't see color. He didn't see race. He didn't see age. He didn't see culture. Because he was outward and not inward. When Jesus saw a person, he saw a soul. He didn't see human beings. He saw souls. Because outward people, when they see someone, they see the inward things of someone. But inward people only see the outward things of people. Y'all didn't hear what I just said, and it was good. It was tweetable. I'll say it again. Outward-looking people will see the inward things of others, yet inward-looking people only see the outward things of others. You remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well, that promiscuous woman, five husbands and the guy she was with wasn't even married to her, and she comes to the well to get some water, and Jesus is leaning on the well, being wearied with his journey, John chapter 4 says. And this Samaritan woman comes to this Jewish Messiah, and he begins to have a conversation with her, which was a big no-no in the customs of the Jewish people because Samaritans were dogs, these inbred, half-breed, Jew-Gentile mixes, and we didn't collaborate or communicate with one another. And Jesus strategically wins this woman to himself and then soon wins her to the Father, and her salvation experience is revealed there in John chapter 4 and as he's talking to her about a water, a living water that only comes from him the Bible says that the disciples come up on this conversation on the back end of their introduction to one another and the disciples are kind of odd stricken with not knowing how to really address the evident issue of hey dude why are you talking to her like, they don't even know how to, they're trying to not be rude, and they're like, do you know what she is? Like, you, you having a conversation with, with, with a hoochie mama. 
You, you, do, do you know, do you know, do you know who she, she's a Samaritan and the Jews have no, she even said the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Why are you, are you talking to her? Because before he ever said a word to her, he saw her for what she really was and could be. He saw a soul, not a Samaritan. He saw a soul, not, not a promiscuous woman. He saw a soul, not somebody that was off limits. He saw a soul and he was moved towards her, not away from her. See, close proximity to someone in a relationship creates passion. Long distance creates distortion. If I take time to get close to you, I'll see you for who you really are. And I'll get a passion for who you really are, to love you for who you really are, to like you and accept you and to help you for really who you really are. But if I live my life in long distance relationships with people, I'll never see up close who they really are in Christ. And I'll always have a distorted, don't worry, it's going to get a lot more uncomfortable. I'll always have a distorted view of who and what they are. Proximity creates passion. Distance creates distortion. And some of us don't get close to certain, I'm going to use this word very, very loosely, kinds of people because we were taught not to get close to certain kinds of people. White baby raised in white home. All he knows, all she knows is white. And when it's all white, it's all right. And they don't know how to separate. They've got their separation backwards. They've got their segregation backwards. And it's so bad in this area. So bad in this area. Sick. It's twisted. And I hope some of you fall in this category so I can punch you right in the face with the gospel this morning and change the way you see people. I can tell, by the way, a few of us are squirming in our seat. I'm either, you either want to shout me on or you want to leave, so I'm going to keep on running with it. And that's all they were taught, and that's all they know. And so it, 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 it's, you, you, don't, you don't hang out with those kind of people. You don't get in close relationships with those kind of people. And that's taught from all different sides. Don't, 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 don't just throw white people or black people into that. It's, it's taught from all kind of sides. It doesn't matter. We don't have time to go into where the roots really run because God's in the business of plucking some of that junk up out of that corrupt soil and replanting it with gospel roots. See, I didn't, I didn't grow up with that kind of mindset. My, my, parents, my parents didn't let that mindset get created. We didn't have that kind of viewpoint of people of different color. It wasn't odd, it wasn't odd for me in Oconee County having, having friends that were black. It wasn't odd for me. It wasn't weird. It wasn't off-putting. My, my granddaddy, he, he, come out of, he come out of the ground with racist roots. And when he came to dinner, my dad wouldn't let him bring some of that slur talk to the table. He'd shut that junk down. You're going to eat with us. That's fine. You can smother your biscuits in that hot pepper sauce, but you ain't going to let none of that junk come out your mouth. Right? You, 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 we, no, we don't do that. We don't, we don't say that kind of stuff. My mama, we would look through the yearbook, and she would sit there, and I, I wouldn't know about my parents growing up. My mama would point out in the yearbook all her friends, and half of them weren't white. Half of them weren't white. Those were her friends in school. And when she worked at a school, she was a parapro for the longest time, and she was friends with some of the people that were on staff there that weren't white. 
And I, I watched her cut up with him. I watched the way she would talk with him. I watched the way she would stand around and have conversation. It wasn't weird. It wasn't off-putting. I didn't grow up in this, in this, in this mentality, in this world of if, if it's all white, it's all right. Are you hearing me this morning? And, and so I, I, had to, I had to break that circle early, and I had parents that broke that circle of, of familiar. And it's not, it's, listen to me, it's not just color, and it's not just race. A lot of it's age, a lot of it's culture, a lot of it's what side of the track you, you, you're from. And, and it's funny how we'll only let our kids be friends with people of certain per capita income demographics. We, we have all these classifications of what's familiar. And, when, and see, when you break, when you do what Jesus did, in John 4, and you break the circle of familiar, you begin to surround yourself with different kind of people who are not like you. Not everybody that Jesus hung out with or ministered to were just like him. Which leads me to this point. Stop gravitating to people who look like you, walk like you, talk like you, act like you, believe like you, think like you. How are you going to make a difference if you're not any different? You're not going to influence somebody who's exactly like you. Jesus and people reveals this to us. Come here, Macron. Come here, John. Yeah, John, come on, come on. Come on, Terry. Come on, Tom. Come on, y'all come hang out with me. You need to get with it. You got too much, you got too much stubble on the top. If my circle looks exactly like me, I'm in the wrong circle. Somebody needs to help me preach this thing. If my circle looks exactly like me, y'all get off this stage. Get off, hurry, go, go, get off this stage. Do you get my point? If every Sunday you walk into this building and I'm standing around those guys every single time, I'm in the wrong circle. That means I've never broken the circle. And I'm going extreme there. But you get the idea. I mean, look around you. I mean, even now, look, look, look around you. Look around. Look around the room. When you're at work tomorrow, just push pause for a second and look around. When you're standing in Walmart, God forbid, push pause, look around. When you're standing in line at Zaxby's over here or Cracker Barrel waiting three hours, push pause, look around. Look around. God has you where you are in this world so you can make a difference. The question you got to ask yourself is, does my circle look like the world? If not, why not? Huh? If it doesn't, why not? See, Jesus broke the circle of familiar, then he broke the circle of faith. Everybody say faith. He didn't just circle up with people of identical faith. He broke the circle to purposely pursue people that did not believe. Now, let me be very careful what I'm saying right here. Jesus gravitated continually to a circle of faith because that's where we grow. That's where we develop. But that is not where we primarily minister. Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. Notice, he answered and said, look what Jesus said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep. 
of the house of Israel. Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Okay, guys, how the heck could Jesus reach lost people if he never left the circle of his own faith? So your circle of faith because that's where you grow. But your circle will never grow if you don't add to it. Your circle will never grow if you don't add to it. Let me tell you what Jesus didn't do. Y'all know what he didn't do? He didn't set up shop and wait for the world to show up. Jesus didn't rent a shopping center on the back end of an interstate and wait for people to just show up. You don't set up shop. He broke away from the circle and Jesus walked a divine path of ordered steps led by the spirits that would lead him right by, right to, or right through the life of everyday people he wanted to influence and impact. It was not an accident that he took the route he did on his way to Jairus' house and walked by the life of the woman with the issue of blood. It was not an accident that Jesus took the highway he did when he crossed paths with blind, begging Bartimaeus. It was not an accident when he walked through the very town in which he did where he encountered Zacchaeus and salvation came to his house. What are you saying, Pastor D? Jesus got among the people of the world. He did, he got among them. Jesus went about among the people. And we were meant to go about, get among the people around us. Think about what he said about me and you. Think about what Jesus said about us. He said we are the salt of the earth. He said we are the salt. Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth the earth. Y'all ever had a chicken breast with no salt? <sighs> you ever not salted a steak? You ever had mashed potatoes without salt? You ever had green beans without salt? Salt makes it better. Salt adds the flavor. Jesus said we were the salt of the earth. We make the world better. We make the world taste sweeter. Not sweeter. I, it, we preserve it, bless God. We make it better. We make it, that's why the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. We are the evidence that God tastes good. We're the salt of the earth. But salt don't do what salt does when salt stays in the shaker. You can't set salt on the table and your food tastes different. You gotta put your salt on your food. The salt's gotta get among the world. He said, we are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the the world, and light doesn't do what light does when it's hidden or it's covered up or it's turned off. Light extinguishes darkness. Light chases away darkness. It doesn't matter how dark a room is. If you turn all the lights on, all the darkness has to leave. And that's what God called you and me to do. This world is cursed, it's chaotic, it's corrupt, and it's dark. And we are the hope, we are the light bearers, we are the candlestick in the darkness. God equipped and called each of us, and he set us with a Holy Spirit fire that would extinguish the light and the darkness of this world, and we have to do what we were called to do by getting among the darkness. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're the laborers in the field. 
That's the context of where we started, Matthew 9, 37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You don't prepare the fields from the porch. You don't plant seed and water the ground and run the tractor from the porch. The harvest doesn't happen in the rocking chair. The harvest, which is governed by the Lord of the harvest. You can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. We cannot turn a soul over to Christ. It's the Lord which does that work. But he's looking for farmers to get in the field and hold the baskets to catch the fruit. And you and I have the job of planting, of watering, and catching what God picks. Are you hearing me? Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. Newsflash. The field is where you go tomorrow. It's where you go today when you leave this property. The church is not the field let me say that a little bit more correct and accurate. The church property is not the field. This is just the barn where we keep all the baskets and the seed and the tractors and the sickles. This is where we equip all the farmers for the harvest. That's why we're trying to get as a staff outside of the circle of church property. If we spend all of our time in the office during the week, and yes, there is a lot of legwork, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of brainstorming, there's a lot of tasks and a lot of to-dos, but if we spend all of our time in the offices, that's why we're purposely, we're going out and we're gonna have our staff meetings in different places of this community because that's where the fruit is. This is not the field, this is just the property. And the harvest happens in your field. It happens in the field around you. It happens in your home. It happens in your neighborhood. It happens in your school. It happens in your workplace. It happens at the rec department your kids play ball at. It happens in the grocery store where you shop. It happens in the restaurants where you had date night. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? When Jesus gave the disciples power, he said, go. He meant go when he said go. Matthew 28, go ye therefore. Go still means go. Go means to depart and pursue. It means get out of here. Go, that's before he ascended. Before he ascended in Acts 111, when he led them as far as Bethany, right past the Mount of Olives, Luke says, he told them, now go. You got it. Go. Break this circle. Go. Leave your circle and don't you dare come back unless you're bringing somebody with you. Jesus taught his disciples to break the circle. And the light from God is still green. 2,000 years later, the light's still green. So go. Somebody say go. Like Jesus, you got to break the circle. Break the circle of familiar. There's too many people in your circle just like you. God called you to make a difference, and you can't make a difference if you're not any different. You got to break the circle of faith. You're not changing the world at church. 
You're not changing the world by being here. This is where we worship and we glorify God and we magnify him and we get equipped with his word. We get encouraged, we get strengthened, we get instruction, and then we go out and do ministry. This is easy right here. Showing up early and checking in on a volunteer station and opening the door for people or pouring coffee and giving somebody a smile, being hospitable, taking up an offering, running a projector or running a screen or being, a, being an on-campus presence that cares for the needs of people, serving with elementary students, serving with preschool students, and then coming in here and worshiping and getting the word of God to strengthen yourself and encourage yourself to equip you in growth and development. That's not ministry. That's the tip of the eye. That's the easy stuff. That's the reasonable service, the Romans 12. That's just God using you as the starting point for the week. The ministry happens when you pull out of this part parking lot. This is the easy stuff. This ain't the hard. This is the easy thing. You're not changing the world at church. At church where you get ready to go change the world. So go get among the people. Go get among the people. And here's where you, here's where you start. Start by changing your direction in your circle. You remember what I introduced you to? You're either an outward person or you're an inward person. And when you're in your circle, you're either in an inward circle or you're in an outward circle. Come on, I'm going to use my guys. Come on. Jeremy, Brandon, Andrew, Kevin, Michael, come on, help me. Michael, come help me. Make a circle. Everybody look at each other. Make a circle. Just look at each other. Soak in the beauty. Yeah, make a circle. Make a circle. Check this out. Let me tell you about an inward circle. An inward circle gets close. An inward circle gets connected. I mean, they, they meet, they, they collaborate, they pray for one another, they, they, they like each other. They didn't even know each other before they came to this circle. And, and, and this circle was created at New Grace. This is a beautiful thing. They do ministry together. They share wins with one another. They got a group text message thing going where they're praying for one another and they're talking about what God showed them in the word. They'll even meet up here on the property, have Bible study. I mean, this circle has become a small group. When they walk on this property on Sunday morning, they're, they're here for Jesus, but they also enjoy being around one another. Aaron sharpens iron, right? It, it, they make each other sharp. And, 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 and they're so connected and they're so close, but they don't realize sometimes what gets close gets closed. Now, they've got this inward circle and what they're missing by being so inward is all the people that they were called to minister to, that they were called to reach. And so when you change your direction and you turn around, now look, see all the people that you were ignoring. Yeah. See all the people you didn't notice. Yeah. It, there ain't nothing wrong with getting strengthened and getting encouraged. And look, when you put, and this is a bad illustration, but when you put Jesus in the middle of the circle, and you're so drawn to Jesus, you forget the mission Jesus gave you. And because you're so inward about your Jesus and you're so inward about your church and you're so inward about your gifts and your money and your life and your world and each other, because you're so inward, you don't even see the world you were meant to reach and the world can't even see Jesus because you got your back to the world. It's like Zacchaeus trying to see Jesus, but he can't because of the crowd. And all of the world has fallen short 
of the glory of God and can't see Jesus because the crowd is the church that's inward driven, inward looking, and can't see the fields that are widened to harvest. But if you'll change your direction in the circle and you'll turn around, if you get an outward turn, Michael, this is a turn around like this. This is a turn. You just turn. It's just a 180 thing. It's, when you turn around, Brandon, turn around. Look that way. You're supposed to minister to somebody in the corner. When you turn around and you have an outward circle, now you see that the fields are ready. Now you see the souls at work. Now you see the people in your community. And now, now your job is to go win them and bring them in. Go get JJ and bring him because JJ's right there. Because God called you to be a bringer. Everybody turn in, turn in, stop right there, turn in, turn in, turn in. Y'all gotta move fast, turn in. When, when, when you're closed, you're a clinger. But if you'll turn around and get open, you'll become a bringer. And then your circle grows because you bring some, and you teach them what God taught you. Now you go get somebody. Go get Adam Strong. We're going to bring Adam Strong to Jesus now. And you go get, are y'all getting this now? Are you getting this? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because when you're outward, you won't have your back to the world you were meant to reach. When you're outward and you turn around, you'll see the field. You'll be a bringer, not a clinger. Suppose, suppose a guest comes to your home and your guest comes through the front door but you never welcome them. You never acknowledge that they're there. You never greet them. You never say hello to them. You just treat the guest like they're not even in your home. You have a wonderful dinner prepared at the table. The guest sits down awkwardly and in silence eats the dinner with you. It's a wonderful dinner. I haven't been to anybody's house and ever been fed like that. It's wonderful. They get up to leave and awkwardly look at you and you don't even make eyes with them and they leave your house. What are the chances that person is ever coming back to your place? Every Sunday, souls, not just people, walk through the doors of our home. I got a very incriminating photo that was sent to me this week. I, wasn't, I didn't put it on the screen because it's incriminating. Pastor Jake took the picture from the front door of our lobby. He took a picture of the lobby and out of the 14 people in the lobby, every person has their back to the front door. Not expecting, not anticipating, not hoping, not ready, not prepared. Everybody in their own circle and nobody's thinking about the fields walking in the door. And they'll come in here and they'll get fed 
And they're thinking in their mind, I ain't been fed like this on a Sunday in a long time. This is good food. But I wonder, do people ever greet them? Do they ever welcome them? Do they ever acknowledge them? Do we really want them in our home? If you're here today and you're a first-time guest and nobody spoke to you, I'm sorry. We're trying to turn around in our circles because you are the reason this church is here, for you to experience a new life in Christ. Is there benefits to having a circle? Absolutely. Did you get connected and close when you, you can turn around, Brandon. Did you get connected and close when, yeah, did you win them? Yes. Okay, good. There's benefits of the circle, right? But God didn't call you to stay in that circle and sit in it. He called you to break the circle and be a bringer. If I bring, now I got a guy I've been working on for a long time. If he ever walks in these doors, I know what he's going to get when he gets in his seat. It ain't getting to, it ain't, it ain't in his seat that I'm worried about. It's from the moment his foot gets out of his car and he walks to the door and checks his kids into this place and comes in this auditorium. That's on you. It's on you. So break the circle. Start right here. Think about it. This is the best area. Y'all can go down except JJ. JJ, just keep your guitar and let's start playing something. Give these guys a hand. They did a good job. I'm done. I'm done. I want you to listen to me. We don't hit, look, no, don't come down here and sob in this altar. I mean, I'm, if God has moved you to do such, do it. But come down here and crying ain't going to do a darn thing. Coming out here and getting so excited you do a cartwheel ain't going to do a darn thing. The first thing you and I need to do is start right here at our church property and break the circle and get outward and not inward. And I'm going to tell you why we need to do that. If you can do that here and I can do that here, it ain't going to be hard to do that at work. It ain't going to be hard to do that at the rec department. It's not going to be hard to do that when you're waiting in line. You guys are capable more than you think you are and you have more to offer than you're giving yourself credit for. Jesus has equipped you with a lot. So break the circle. Be a bringer, not a clinger. And get open to people who are different than you, people who are not like you, people that are not familiar, and people that are not of your faith. Because you have something they don't have. If you have Jesus and most of the world doesn't, me and you have a job to do. Somebody help me give God some praise on purpose.